Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. How are you doing today, Bree? I'm doing great, Jamie. How are you? I'm always wonderful. We have a super exciting interview for you guys to get for you guys today. Can't talk. Bree, why don't you introduce our guest? Today we are here with Sinead and our last episode when we spoke with Grant Cameron, she was able to pop in at the end, but we never got a full chance to get to know her. And I know she has some pretty cool stories and um, just kind of how things unfolded for her is really interesting. So we really wanted to bring that to you guys. So Sinead, welcome to our show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. Shanae, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and kind of how you got connected to this whole realm in the beginning, kind of how, where it all began and started. Sure. Um, Well, it started way, way back, as you know, for many of us, it starts in childhood when we're most receptive and we're most able to experience things that are uh, outside of the normal realm. You might say, I don't believe in normality. I think normal, the whole concept of normal is completely fabricated. Uh, But, you know, just to use that word because everybody knows what normal apparently means. Um, So when I was a kid, I started having some unusual experiences and I've had experiences like that, meaning unusual, like high strangeness, high strangeness, paranormal, whatever you want to call it. I've been having experiences like those ever since I was a kid. So that means uh, ESP, psychic experiences, knowing things before they were going to happen, seeing things before they were going to happen, receiving some pretty intense downloads, mostly between the age of nine and 11. And then, you know, you're, you're a child, so you're very receptive to these things. But like many of us, when you become older and you, you're more uh, susceptible to the conditioning that comes through society and culture and education, then um, you learn to turn that sensitivity off somehow or ignore it or push it down. You don't know how to make sense of it. You think it isn't normal. There might be something wrong with you, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So we learn to kind of move away from that sensitivity and that receptivity. And I'm definitely uh, one of those people who experienced that because you know we live in a society and culture that doesn't support these kinds of conversations mm-hmm. as part of the formative part of life. You know, children have incredible experiences. They have all kinds of amazing things happening to them. And it would be incredible if more adults were sensitive to uh, the fact that there's more going on in our universe than we than we know, than we think that there is sometimes, and to be able to help children with that. But most of us, you know, who experience these things when we're children, we, we go through it on our own the best that we can. You don't necessarily have the vocabulary to be able to explain it adults you don't even know what to say right so Mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to explain it and so I was going through this on my own but what was interesting about it was it wasn't shocking jarring frightening it's never been a frightening experience for me it's always been one that's kind of uh well first of all infused with a huge amount of energy like that's Mm -hmm. the main the main experience is that all my experiences have been with a huge amount of energy and then also receiving information and feeling very supported and kind of communicated with and also feeling like you're experiencing something that when you're a child feels a bit like magic right Mm. and when you're an adult it also feels magical but of course we have more life experience and knowledge and vocabulary to be able to conceptualize what's going on and try to understand it 
So what happened to me was I got very out of touch with myself for a very long time. I had some traumatic experiences in my life that also kind of disconnected me from myself a bit and had to struggle through that. And um, so paralleling, you know, just life, um, I've always been someone who needs to know more. You know, I've always had this very driving feeling that there's just more there's more. And I don't know what it is, but I need to know what it is. I need to feel, I need to climb towards that and just follow this feeling of wanting to discover and wanting to figure out what this is. And so through the process of doing that, um, I've done a lot of really, you know, in-depth personal work on myself to confront myself as much as I can and work through, you know, what we might call in psychology issues or challenges. Everybody has those, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so that combination of, of personal work, but also really wanting to get back to the receptivity that I had as a child, that meant that I was putting myself in the position of giving myself lots of different kinds of experiences with different um, spiritual spiritual practices, different religious practices. You know, I've done a lot of traveling. I've done a lot of uh, really deep reflective work, both internally and externally. And I think that that helped me that caused that that created the causes and conditions for me to have my first ET experience, which is which was in Peru in 2017. And I did not ask for that. I did not see it coming. It was not in any way predictable to me. I was not in the ufology community mm-hmm. whatsoever at that point. And so this was ex- extremely unexpected. And I thought it was really interesting that that this was the experience that I had had, you know, like I didn't meet any other kind of being or experience or, or sort of spirit. Mm-hmm. But I specifically met these energy beings, these light beings, they didn't have bodies, they appeared to me in, in the form of light. And they gave me this message, you know, this is your invitation. That's the, the last thing they said to me was this is your invitation. And there was other stuff that happened too. But then that really did something to me, you know, it felt like it kind of unlocked like an energy doorway in my life or an energy doorway in my energy field or something. I just felt something open, you know? And then after that, things just kind of kept happening. And I felt really happy about that. I felt like, oh, this is great. I'm getting back to this sensitivity and this psychic ability that I had as a child that I've been dying to get back to for something like 25 years. Um, so I thought it was just that I was getting back into my intuition and my psychic abilities and I, I didn't know what to do with the ET part of it, right? So I just thought, oh, that was an experience and just, I don't know what to make of that. But then um, two years later, almost exactly two years later, actually, um, in the summer of 2019, I had a huge awakening. I was, I call it getting bonged over the head with the cosmic frying pan, because that's basically what it felt like. It was like yep. a dong, you know, okay, mm-hmm. wake up. It's time, yeah. you know, it's time. This is what you're supposed to be doing in your life. This is a part of who you are. This is very important that you pay attention to this. It was this extremely firm, clear message of, okay, let's get on with it. You've got work to do. And there's a reason why you're here and we're here to help you with this. So ever since then, it's, it's been just astounding, astounding. You know, the things that have happened, the people that I've met, the things, the, the opportunities, the people, the energy, the experiences that have just arrived in my lap. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, I just have to keep working hard at uh, staying on this path, you know, and progressing my own consciousness as much as I can and making a contribution to the world in whatever way feels right to me, you know, through 
a variety of methods, but part of it is working with Grant Cameron. And um, so, yeah, it's been really quite something. One of, one of my friends actually, Costa McCreas, he runs the People's Love Alliance and uh, mm-hmm. he, has, he does a whole bunch of ET contact retreats and he's a leader in that field. He said to me that it's like I'm in the path of a, of a fire hose. Like it just feels like things just keep coming. So it's, it's really quite amazing. And it feels like a partnership. You know, this feels like uh, a very, a very valuable opportunity that I cannot let, I can't ignore this. I have to do my part. You know, I have to do, I have to play my role in my lifetime here to make a contribution to what all of us are experiencing. I think, you know, this global shift towards mm-hmm. hopefully a higher state of vibration and consciousness. And I think absolutely. Yeah. When I think that, that really <laughs> resonates with us too, because, you know, I will say, you know, for me, I know, and I, and I, I think I could speak for Brie on this one, when we're doing stuff with this podcast and working in this field, things have never felt so right when we're doing them. You know, it's like, I feel like when we're doing it, it every synchronicity and every sign that's out there can tells us to continue forward. And yes. so I think if you just stay on that path and you follow those signs, you can't go in the wrong. We're all being guided in the ways we need to be guided. And I know when we started this podcast, it was like that huge cosmic frying pan to the head where it was like, yeah. oh my God, this is what our life was meant to be. Like, this is what yeah. we've spent this much time growing up and absorbing and learning. And like, this is really where our life starts and how we make a big contribution to the world. I love that. I love that. I feel the same way. It feels like home. It feels familiar. You know, it's like this really mm. old, old, old part of us all that we need to, we need to live in, you know, we mm-hmm. need to live in that space of, of that feeling and that experience, that awareness and connection with ourselves. Yeah. And not only that, but nurture it too. You know, we really need to, to foster an environment where we're able to nurture, you know, these paths that we're taking, because, you know, you talked earlier about this whole, no- the normal thing, talking about, you know, being normal. There's no such thing as that, but me and Brie really like this term. We want to normalize this topic, make it so that when you have conversations with people about consciousness, ETs, UFOs, whatever it happens to be, people don't look at you with like a weird side eye or they're not like, oh, you might be a little bit crazy. Like we just want to build an environment where we're able to talk about this without anyone giving any type of like judgment or or like thinking about us like, oh, what are these weird people doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that stuck out to me is, uh, you know, talking about how you were, it seems like you're really connected as a child and then you fell out of that. And you had to go through some experiences, a lot of traumatic experiences. And to me, that sounds like this term, dark night of the soul. Yes. That we all need to go through that deep, nasty part of ourselves. And if we have the courage to face that and to really pick those parts of ourselves away and and look it in the face um, and see that we've been kind of our own enemy sometimes, that them that huge shifts happened all the all the synchronicities everything comes through after that mm-hmm. so do you think that possibly all the kids out there that remember having those types of um energetic experiences and being able to do things like esp or being connected with other beings do you think that the people that have fallen away from that need to go through that dark night of the soul in order to find that doorway where their life, their soul purpose really is? Um, 
To a point, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think we spend a lot of time, I want to say a couple of things about that. One is that I think we spend a lot of time avoiding things that we label as being bad, which includes feelings, mm-hmm. experiences, other people, uh, situations, environments, whatever. But the fact is that we live in a, a dimension, a reality, whatever you want to call it, that is made up of duality. You know, every single thing in this in this reality is made up of duality. And if you if you think about it as something like a visual rep- representation might be the yin yang symbol, mm-hmm. right? We spend a lot of time only trying to have the good and avoiding the bad when the fact is that both of them are equally teachers to us, right? Both of them have value. Both of us, both of these things experience uh, are part of our experience of growth and change and, and progress. So to, to speaking to your question, I think, yes, it is necessary, but what that dark note of the soul is depends, of course, on each person's individual experience, what their own fears are, what their background is, that include could include their religion, their culture, um, you know, their experience of their parents, whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. These things color our mindset and our attitude going forward. And um, we can partially create our own problems. You know, we we really are our own worst enemy. You were kind Mm -hmm. of alluding to that in your question. But the other part of it is that um, going through the dark night of the soul has really, it has to do with confronting ego. You know, it has to do with confronting the part of us that is in a state of fear, that needs to control, that wants to defend, that wants to protect. And it's a really strong part of our mind. And it's also fostered in many ways by the culture and the environment, the society that we grow up in, right? To be egoistic, to be narcissistic to a certain degree and to protect ourselves and to, you know, to feel fearful and to feel like we have to have control of our lives when really the experience of surrender and vulnerability has just as much potency and power as control does, right? Control is really an illusion. There's so Mm -hmm. much that we really can't control that we think that we can. So going through the dark night of the soul is a rich opportunity to confront our egos, confront our fears, make friends with them, you know, like get to know them rather than pretending they're not there or ignoring them which really just then increases that the power of it right like whatever we we try to suppress or push down or ignore it just becomes even more so it becomes bigger so if we can if we can walk into that scariness walk into our fear and you know make friends with it and try to confront our own uh ego and all the forms it represents itself you know biases uh, self-judgment judgment of others whatever it might be then our mind has more room to for the positive and to expand and to see all the possibilities that are out there rather than keeping us limited by our fear and our need to control. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but I think it is really um, essential to see challenges and struggles in life as valuable, just as valuable as all the wonderful stuff. Absolutely. It's just interesting how it correlates with how people that go through these things, if they end up facing that, they tend to have these weird ET experiences. Why do you think that is? I think that we're giving, you know, I really, I do think it's a partnership. I think that they're, you know, obviously they've been coming here for a very, very, very long time. That's one mm-hmm. of the, the consistent messages that people all over the world have been getting uh, for quite a long time. And we see it in evidence of, you know, ancient civilizations as well, that they've been here a long time. So it, there's clearly something of a partnership or a relationship going on, right? And I think that that's available to all of us. It just depends on whether we are A, willing and B, able. And part of the ableness is having created for ourselves through what I believe would be past lives, 
you know, decisions and choices that create karma that we uh, that we make with our free will, right? Um, that we are setting the stage for for us to be able to have the progress. We have to be willing to look at ourselves, willing to do personal work. So I think if those two things are there, right, the recognition that there is an intergalactic community, they are here already, they are coming here, they want to communicate with us. And by all you know, signs and symbols from the, from the civilian community, they're coming to help, right? They're not a threat. They're not coming to attack us. They could have done that hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. yeah. last year, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, my experience over and over again is that they're here to help. And so recognizing that there's a partnership, a person would have to do that, I think, and also recognize that we have a lot of power to create the causes and conditions to kind of crack ourselves open to be able to receive that communication. Um, I think if we're able to get to a place where we think about those two things, then yes, it can happen. I think trauma, you know, it's interesting, trauma and challenge and ET contact seem to go hand in hand mm -hmm. in a lot of situations, right? Like when I had my big awakening, I'm a deaf person. I have a 90% hearing loss and I use cochlear implants to listen. So I had just had my second cochlear implant surgery that was in the summer of 2019. And it was immediately after my surgery. I mean, not not like an hour later, you know, a, a month later after, after I had recovered. But very, it was when I was still in the process of recovering from this major surgery, which was invasive, and you might want to call it traumatic for that reason. That's mm -hmm. when I had my awakening, right? So I kind of, I see challenge, struggle, suffering um, going hand in hand with these, because that kind of trauma and difficulty creates cracks in us. And it's like that saying, you know, the cracks are where the light gets in, mm. right? these things that we might see as being terrible or bad are actually opportunities sometimes that can crack us open to something bigger and greater that we might not have been able to see before. Mm -hmm. But we have to have created the conditions to be able to do that. And I think that we do that for ourselves in this lifetime and previous lifetimes. That's my personal belief. Well, you know, and you say these things, you know, these traumas and these awakenings, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, me and Brie had these kind of our awakening at the same time where we both came out and talked to each other about our experiences. And oh, then wow. the farther and farther down the rabbit hole we get, the more and more and we look back and we realize that there was a lot of things that we missed that were happening in our life that we didn't see signs and symptoms. I know Brie tells me this incredible story about uh, the firefighters. Brie, will you tell that story? Oh, um, when I was younger, I hurt my leg and I was just in my bed and my leg was like stuck out and my leg wouldn't even move. And um, it was like the middle of the night and a bunch of firefighters came in my room and they surrounded my bed and they healed my leg. <laughs> and then they left. And it was just like I, something I never questioned. Uh, it wasn't until, I don't even know, maybe the first or second year we were doing the podcast and we were going over screen memories. And Jamie was like, Bree, do you really think that firefighters just like came into your room in the middle of the night, surrounded your bed, and then just like magically healed your leg and left? <laughs> and I, st I think even on the recording, I think I was just like silent, like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like those things that for my whole life, I never questioned. Yeah. And it's like, that is so weird. And, and even now, I don't feel 
comfortable 100% being like, oh, yeah, those were like aliens or my guides, you know, because it just seems like something that was natural and normal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but when, once I start talking about it, it's like, that's, that's weird. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then, of course, you know, why, why firefighters, right? Like, our consciousness again, right? Our perception, our perception, how our mind is choosing to see things that happen to us. And there's so many stories, like the interviews that Grant and I do together, we're, we hear so many stories that are really varied, you know, in terms of how people experience ETs. They come as angels, they come as uh, gray guys, they come as white, you know, tall white pillars of light. They come as all kinds of things, right? And sometimes they come as things like firefighters. And what what is the reason for that? Well, if you're a little kid, you think of firefighters as being big, as big and strong and kind of immortal and they're heroes, you know, maybe it had something to do with that for you. But it's interesting how our mind um, creates these images, right? These, these pictures for us that helps us have the experience without being too freaked out or too uh, afraid so that we can still have the awareness of having it. You know, it'd be too bad if they just showed up around your bed uh, as ETs to the point that you were so freaked out by the unfamiliar oh, yeah. that you were seeing that you would never have a memory of that, right? That would be really unfortunate. So it's almost like a kindness that they would have shown up as firefighters, right? To let you have that experience and feel that reassurance and healing and then remember it also later on as a non-threatening experience. It's kind of interesting how they manifest. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's non-threatening experience because mm-hmm. I'm sure if it I'm sure if it was full blown ET, I would have freaked out. Oh. Um, you know, I mean, I guess I used to scream in my sleep like nasty freakers. And I wonder about that, too. I'm like, why would I why was I doing that? And it was always around the time where, like, I would wake up outside my house. So it's like those things were all happening as a child. But I never thought about it. I mean, till years and years later. So it's almost like a constant regression. Mm-hmm. Like we're constantly putting those pieces together. Yes, and I have the same experience. No? Oh, really? Well, see, yes. and that's why I brought it up because I knew that Grant had told us a little bit that you had some of these similar experiences when you were younger that you kind of looked back and you were like, wait a second, there's a lot more happening than I thought there was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had several of those. I mean, you know, part of how we human beings process our experiences by sharing them with other people, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we talk it out, we process it with someone else at the mirror or bouncing stuff off them. But when you're a little kid and you can't do that because you just don't know how to do that mm-hmm. and you just accept it, you just go with it and you, you know, file it away somewhere and digest it the best that you can. So, you know, I think because children, I had a very vivid imagination when I was a child, as many children do. And so I think that I, you know, the borders of what's so-called real and what isn't are already blurrier for a kid. And they live quite comfortably in that space. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they don't need things to be just so-called reality. They, they enjoy living in this space of creativity and imagination and mm-hmm. the possibility, right, where all these receptive things can happen. Um, and so it's only it's only later on, I think, when we start kind of establishing these boundaries within ourselves as to what is reasonable, what is unreasonable, what's okay to think, what's not okay, what's okay to feel, what's not okay, right? We start kind of um, cordoning off sections of ourselves that and not allowing for certain things to come in. So I think that that makes it difficult to remember those experiences. 
end because they're no longer kind of integrated into our the forefront of our mind, right? And how we're functioning on a daily basis. But I just remember the feeling, right? I remember the feeling of being so connected. It, it was this really, really potent energetic experience and I missed it. I just missed it for years and years afterwards. I wanted to get back to that because that felt like the real me, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of what you were saying, Jamie, earlier, that this feels like home. This feels mm -hmm. like, you know, the real us, that when we have these conversations with, with other people, this is our tribe, right? These are our people, like you guys are my people. It's simply mm -hmm. because we're able to have this conversation and think about these things with each other and play with all these possibilities, right? So it's a wonderful thing to be an adult and to still have, it's almost like still having a sense of play, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And for me personally, I don't know about you or other people you've spoken to, but creativity is a very big part of my spiritual path. Yep. yep. And you know, it's a it's a contact modality, right? As Grant has spoken about with in terms of music and musicians and the the messages and downloads and songs that they've experienced that they've that they've gotten from somewhere that they can't explain, you know, songs that just arrive fully formed in their mind, the notes, music, words, everything. How do you explain that? And creativity is just this incredible tool for, you know, expression. It, it's, it's like an antenna. You can receive and you can send. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a potent space to be in. And when you're a child, you're living in that. But when you're an adult, how many of us really allow ourselves mm -hmm. to play and to just sort of have loose boundaries where we can explore and we can talk about things that are stigmatized like this you know I think it was you Brie earlier that was saying that it'd be really nice or maybe Jamie was you um well. saying that you know it'd be great to be able to talk with other people about UFOs and ETs without people looking at you like you're nuts mm -hmm. and at the same time what's also fascinating is the number of people out there who have had experiences and just feel like they can't tell anybody about them right yep. but if you are the one to say it first then often people will kind of come up and go, oh, you know what, I, can I, can we talk for 15 minutes in the yep. closet? Because I had this experience when I was 15 years old and you're the first person I know that's actually said something about it. So it's almost like lots of people are in hiding, you know, mm -hmm. or they just don't know that it's real until they hear someone else saying it and then it's validated experience. So mm. yeah, it's a powerful thing to share these stories, especially as so-called grownups, you know, like we want to be able to um, keep ourselves flexible and keep ourselves open. Otherwise, we can't continue to grow, to progress, and to live in a world of possibility, right? Rather than the world that seems to be so tightly regulated and structured for us in the 3D, right? Like we have these very, very firm systems that are supposed to help us function and create lives, but are also extremely limiting and extremely mm -hmm. uh, oppressive to our thinking, to our spirit, right? In many ways, too. You said two things that I want to ask you about. The first thing, you know, you're talking about creativity and that sense of play. So do you think that if we start to honor our, our inner child more, that we will perpetuate that creativity and then in turn also be staying in that flow state and being able to experience more of the magic, lack of a better word? I very much do. I very much do. Like in whatever way, you know, in whatever way creativity means, what whatever way it comes to you in your life, right? Like mm -hmm. some people, for some people, creativity is cooking, mm. right? making beautiful food. You're creating a beautiful meal. You're you're making something, or it could be you're growing plants. So you have a garden, right? You're you're creating life. You're watching things grow. All these things are creating, and that automatically creates, I think, a vibration 
that lends itself to receptivity. So going back to the inner child, um, I mean, I think it's, I think, you know, nobody has a perfect childhood. We all have things that are painful for us. And yep. I think it's important to, to heal from that and, and also let it go. Sometimes we can't heal mm -hmm. from those things, right? You mm -hmm. just have to kind of make your peace with them, let them go and forgive and that kind of thing. Um, so yes, I think that's important. I, I don't think it's necessary to go back to that inner child place to be able to have creativity in the now as an adult. I think that we can just, we can play as our adult selves. You know, we don't need to be in a state of being a child to do that. So yes, and also no. <laughs> well, I think it's Makes interesting sense. too, because I feel like society wise, we're creating a little bit more of a society that is getting more dictated towards the creative sides of ourselves, especially when you're talking about this new introduction of things like AI and how, you know, people are losing their jobs because grocery stores have automatic checkouts and stuff like that. And they see it as such this negative thing, but I turn around and see it as such a positive thing because it's a way for creativity and art to be put forward now because it's one of the only things that humans can do like a, a, a computer cannot write a song it cannot paint a picture it cannot have in its own expressive thought and so I think that we're starting to get back to this idea of creativity being on the forefront of humankind do you kind of agree with that right now I, I hope so I mean yeah. I really, really hope so I feel like um it's incredibly important. I mean, we are, cre again, the duality, you know, we are mm -hmm. creatures of both destruction and creativity. That is our nature to create and to destroy, right? We And we're born and we die. That's creation and, and destruction too. So that pattern is in our life anyway, right? So why not, why not honor that and, and try to live in that as much as possible? Yeah. Yeah. So since you've been in this path of yours, kind of in that state, have you experienced other people in your immediate family or friends that maybe aren't into these things that have come to you and shared experiences or are more open to them? My family has no idea that I have had these experiences. And really? That I'm doing interviews on YouTube and that I'm doing any of this. They, they <gasps> do not know. Yeah. I'm not at a place where I'm going to be talking about that with them yet. It's, yeah. a, it's a thing that, you know, um, Part of me just, my motto for the past two years has been keeping it simple. That's my mm. motto, keep mm -hmm. it simple, keep it simple, right? Mm. I'm somebody who as a sensitive person spent a lot of time over analyzing, thinking too much, feeling a lot of big feelings. And you know now I understand that better, why I was like that. And I no longer need to live or want to live in that place anymore where I'm overthinking or overfeeling. I'd rather, I wanna be centered, I wanna be grounded and I wanna hold on to that place in myself because it's extremely important to me to be able to uh, you know, be as balanced as possible so that I can continue having these experiences and stay on this path. Mm -hmm. And families are complicated and you know, I love my family and they love me, but um, there are, there are some things that I think, you know, it's funny, the people that are the closest to you are sometimes the one that you can have, the ones you could have the hardest time uh, <laughs> saying really deep stuff to. Mm -hmm. And this is a topic that, as we've already talked about, is so outside of the box of what everyone thinks normal is that I kind of felt like I would be inviting uh, you know, my family's worry and concern mm. and maybe some like, oh, you're nuts or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. I just didn't want to deal with it. I wanted to give myself the space to be in this experience and 
you know, to kind of protect that space for myself for a little while, because sooner or later, I'm going to tell them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like it had to be immediately. Yeah. Why why should I tell them right away? It's not something that I needed to do, right? I wanted to kind of have, it 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 also felt a little bit private, a little bit Mm -hmm. personal. Definitely. When it comes to friends, I'm gradually telling more and more people. So there are three friends of mine who are very close to me who do know. And then I've got lots of wonderful dear friends who are in the community who I can talk with about this stuff anytime. And that is really nourishing for me. That's a really nourishing conversation. So when it comes to the kind of other part of my life, um, I think that, you know, more and more I'm, I'm integrating the two. I feel kind of like there's two of me, right? There's like the ufology mm-hmm. Sinead mm-hmm. and then the Sinead that everybody else thinks that I am. Yeah. Um, and I'm integrating them more and more and more. And I will continue to do that. But I don't feel like I'm in a rush, you know, like why? No, you I have to do what's comfortable to you, what feels right to you. And you don't want to bring anything bad or negative towards you while you're doing this. So let it all come out naturally in the way it's supposed to happen. Exactly, exactly. Things do have a natural ebb and flow. So yeah, that that's where I'm going with it. And the most important thing to me really is the relationship, you know, the conversation I'm having with myself, and the conversation I'm having with these beings, right? Like that is the most important thing to me. So that is beyond all else, because that is about the bigger picture. It's not just about this lifetime you know, or my own little microcosm of a life, like Mm -hmm. this work that all of us are doing in our own way, right? The two of you and Grant and so many other people, it's to make a larger contribution. It's not just about us. It's about the world. It's about the universe. It's about interconnectedness. It's about global consciousness, right? So that's the most important thing to me. So these conversations with my family, ah, that can happen. It's whenever. No, no, I love that because I've said this so many times. There's this big difference between earthly things and the cosmic things that we really care about and family, as much as we love them, it's a very earthly problem to have and not (laughs) when I'm thinking cosmically, I'm not thinking about what my family thinks at the end of the day. So I get you on that. There has to have this separation between that. And I think that that's something that is really only prevalent in this UFO kind of community right now is that difference between these earthly issues and these cosmic issues and that big separation between the two of them and I think that really dictates where you stand on this consciousness scale you know you have to break out of this 3d earth thing in order to see the bigger picture yes yes and so you know it's interesting that it's interesting right now with the pandemic you know I'm not somebody who likes to get into politics so I'm not going to make any political statements about it But I think that whether whoever it is that, you know, whatever your opinion is or your your perspective is about what the pandemic is about, I really see it as an opportunity. You know, we are all being made to be extremely uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and being uncomfortable is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It kind of refreshes. It's an opportunity to kind of stir things up. It's like a turning of the soil, right? We get to refresh our life. So, you know, it's interesting that all these shifts and changes are happening in accordance with the first ever global pandemic and all the ways in which it's unsettling us and kind of giving us the opportunity again, you know, mindset and perception, right? Like we can either go, Oh my God, this is the worst thing. The world's coming to an end. Oh my God. And look at all the new, the horrible news images and read the horrible data and, and just feel heartbroken for all the people who have passed away and are suffering. Or we can choose to see this. I mean, you can see both, obviously Mm -hmm. both exist and are real, but um, you know, you can also choose to see it as a gigantic opportunity to, to kind of take stock and think about, 
okay, well, what's really important to me in my life? You know, who is really important to me? How do I want to spend my time? What is, what am I here for? Like, how do I want to interact with the world? How do I want to interact with the planet, right? With nature, with the earth. So the, it's an opportunity, you know, we're being forced to spend a lot more time with ourselves, which some people have difficulty doing. Yeah. But if you're somebody who likes spending time on your own, or you, you, you consider yourself good company, then you, you're going to use that time, right? To become more creative, to, to meditate more, to practice C5, whatever it is. And rather than going in for dinner or, you know, going shopping or whatever it is, like those things are fun. But now we have the opportunity to use time in a different way right? And to, to prioritize, to reprioritize in our lives. And that's a really, really precious thing. That's a precious opportunity to have. Yeah. So then on the cosmic scale, do you think that all of this stuff is happening almost like an earthquake to shake everyone up and see who can still be grounded at the end of the day? Because I, I have seen quite an interesting change in a lot of people that I thought were very centered and thought mm -hmm. of things in more of a overall picture and trying to make the best out of situations. I've seen them really fall down the drain when this whole thing happened. And mm -hmm. it really brought a lot of light to maybe people's true intentions or, you know, it's kind of like you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk kind of thing. And it seems like during this pandemic, we are really all pushed to our limits. And it's interesting, you know, who who handles what, how. Yes. So do you think that it, it could definitely be a bit of a, a test? I think it could be. I mean, who knows? You know, like we don't really know for sure. Um, the root or source of this pandemic. And there's some people who think that's not even real, right? I do <laughs> personally think that the virus so is real. I just think that, you know, I mean, of course, governments are corrupt. Like governments have been corrupt since there were governments. Like that's not, yeah. new, right? Mm -hmm. because governments are made up of human beings and human beings are flawed. So of mm -hmm. course, governments are going to be flawed. They're made up of people. So, you know, that is not something that I'm shocked by or that, you know, giant corporations are corrupt. I'm not shocked by that. That's been true since the beginning of corporations also. So, you know, that kind of thing is, it, it doesn't really, I don't get really fired up and bothered by that because that's just more evidence to me of the fact that we are flawed human beings. You know, like those things are out there, yes. But also there's, there's all the, like for every terrible, this is my personal belief because I believe in duality. Um, for every terrible person, there's a wonderful person. For every terrible mm -hmm. event, there's a wonderful event. Yep. So it's all about how we're choosing to look at it, right? So I think that we can choose to look at this like a test. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we can still choose to see it that way. We can choose to, to take this on as a challenge and to kind of, you know, face ourselves, right? Like you could look at it maybe like you're an athlete, you're about to do a 10K run and you want to push yourself to do that 10K run you can choose to take that on or you cannot. So it's all about how we want to engage with this, I think, right? Of course, there's some people who, like I'm perfectly aware of the fact that I'm speaking from a position of privilege, right? Like I'm living in North America. I, we have, I, in Ontario, we have amazing healthcare as Americans well know, sorry about that. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> You know, we have like, I, I have a pretty good life. I've got a job. I, mm -hmm. you know, like there are things that are stable in my life that for many other people are not stable in their lives. So I'm perfectly aware that 
um, there are lots of people in the world who cannot see this as an opportunity because they're, they're in a position where they're just overwhelmed by suffering. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that all of us in different lifetimes have been in those positions. Yeah. You know, like I think it's all about the, the evolution that we are giving ourselves. And again, the choice of what is our mindset? You know, what is our mindset about how we're choosing to engage with ourselves, with others, with whatever's going on in the world at present? It's all about your choice and realizing that we're not passive, like we're not victims. We're not passive, just sitting here having to take whatever life is throwing at us, that we have power, right? That we're much, actually much, much more powerful than we realize that we are. We're energetic beings, right? We're made of energy, mm -hmm. we're made of light. The fact that we have a body is, is not who, like, this is not who we are. Yeah. You know, this is the container that's carrying us through life. That's what I think. So... The body is a tool, but it's, the, it's all about the mind, the consciousness and the energy we bring into our life and what we choose to do with that. And I mean, I'm speaking like I've got it all together right now. I do not have it all together. I, I have my bad days. I have my times yeah. that I'm challenged, that I fall off the path. <clears throat> you know, everybody does, but then mm -hmm. you have to make the choice to get back on it, yep. right? You have to make the choice to bring yourself back to a positive mindset, to raise your vibration and because that's what I want. I don't want to live where, how I was before and where I was before, right? I want to continue in this space of what the three of us are talking about right now. This is what I'm here for, but I finally know what my life is for. It's for this. That's yeah. a really good point that you brought up because, you know, just because you're on the path doesn't mean it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved how, you know, when one of the things Jamie and I, you know, always talk about on the podcast is we bring in these higher topics, but then we'll also kind of break it apart sometimes. And it's not that we're on this constant path of high vibration. We go up and down. Sometimes we fall off that road, but it's all about getting back in on it. And I feel like it's a really good point to bring up that just because you've been awakened to the path and you try to walk it, doesn't mean that you're perfect, doesn't yeah. mean you have all the answers to the universe. And most importantly, that's okay. Yes. It's like yeah. that's the struggle of being a human is being in the flesh and learning how to connect with those higher parts of ourselves, but understanding that you're still in the body. So it's okay to still honor that human part of you, but as long as you keep in your heart and your mind and soul that those other higher realms is sort of your your focus, where you want to be. And it's all just about the growth. It's the going back, mm -hmm. going back to that space. And I think a lot of people struggle with feeling like they have to be kind of perfect and, and mm -hmm. you know, talk a certain way, look a certain way. And I just feel like it's probably a good idea to not stay have standards. Humble. Yeah, don't have yeah. those standards that you have to reach to. We are all extra dimensional beings having human experiences. None of them are the same. None of them are similar. None are more superior to others. We're all just having experiences. And I don't think just because we're someone who would be considered conscious, you know, I don't think that I have to eat vegan or like drink 20 gallons of water a day. This idea of like how you <laughs> should be or how you should act. We're all we're all just having human experiences. And I think that's what's important are all these very different versions of us having these experiences, because mm -hmm. that's what gets our message out more, because the more different we are within this, the more we come together at the end of the day, because if we were all the same, you know, conscious beings, 
it seem a little culty, look a little weird. I think it's good that we have these diversities and we have these people on these different paths with these different ideas because that's what makes this community so come together as a whole is all of our differences. I so agree. I so agree. Like, I don't think there is one right way mm -hmm. or one right method or, you know, the whole concept of right and wrong, good and bad is just immediately so problematic. So right? problematic. Like, yep. Everyone is on their path. Everybody mm -hmm. is doing the best that they can. None mm -hmm. of us are perfect. And, you know, the whole point is just to keep going like that. It's the journey, not the destination, keep as they going. say. Right. And also, um, as uh, as you guys probably, well, you probably know this song, like, be humble, sit down, right? Yeah, like, exactly. We, we need to just kind of have some self-awareness that, mm -hmm. as you're saying, just because you have an awakening, that is not the same thing as enlightenment. Yep. Yes. The word enlightened is tossed around far too casually. That's not something I would ever use to refer to myself or, or most people, really. Yeah. I would not say something. Agreed. So whenever I hear someone saying that they are a guru, like they're announcing oh. that they're a guru, I immediately do not want to, yeah, <laughs> why, you know, because the fact is that a true guru and a, a, someone who's truly realized doesn't walk around saying that, they just right. are, right? And then the evidence of that is apparent to anybody who may come into contact with them. They don't need to walk around advertising that they're amazing. And the fact is that Somebody who really does become a real guru or becomes really realized, really enlightened, they don't think of themselves as being mm -hmm. like that because mm -hmm. the ego has been conquered, yep. right? So, you know, people who are, as you were saying, Brie, like to people who clearly feel that pressure to kind of present the optics of who they are a certain way, like mm -hmm. looking a certain way, having the right kind of body and the right kind of hair and, you know, your makeup's just so, and you got to say the right things, whatever. Um, there's a there's a point to that because you know that creates marketability and things like that. If you're trying to get your word out and your message is positive, then okay, you have to play the game to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. That becomes who the person is, and you know that really I think is going to interfere with the authenticity, the authenticity yep. and the integrity of what they're trying to to say because they're presenting ego, right? So mm -hmm. right away you kind of go, but what you're saying and how you're presenting it, like there's a conflict here. And so immediately it's not convincing, right? Mm -hmm. So I really look for the people, I look for the people who say less, Yep. right? The people who, who say less or who just, who are really good listeners. Like that's, that's always something I look for. Somebody who's really listening, no matter what their status is, no matter, like Grant is like that. He doesn't mm -hmm. give a damn about his status. Yep. He could really care less about the degree of fame and notoriety and all that stuff and how many people know him. He does not care. He's a really wonderful listener. He is all about supporting people. He's all about, you know, really hearing people's stories and collecting them and putting that out there so that more people will hear those stories, be, be aware of them and feel validated in their own experience and therefore have the courage to come forward and share too, right? So it's those kinds of people I look for. I'm not well, interested And in that's why he's so successful at what he does, you know? Like me and Brie, we've, you know, we've all seen hundreds of people come up in this, in this field and it's the people who are like, it's just me, I'm the only one with the information, I'm the only one who can talk to the ETs. Those are the ones where immediately we're like, I give you two months before people start coming out of the backwoods, talking smack about you. Like, it's not about that. It's about creating this inclusive community. It's not about 
I'm the only one who can give you the information on how to talk to extraterrestrials. No, 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 no. We should openly be talking about that at all times because the more people who have access to that, the bigger this community gets and the bigger we further ourselves in this consciousness idea. And so why would you want to stop people from doing that? That's when you know that you have people who are in this for not the right reasons. And Grant is one of these ones where he is more than happy to just get stories out there. And I think that's why he is as successful as he is because it's not about selling something it's not about driving people to his website at the end of the day he's just trying to get information out there yep yep and he's trying to encourage and support you know the average joes who feel like they have nobody to talk to right and that that really is something i look for too it's kind of like you know when you go on a first date with someone mm -hmm. or something you're looking to see how do they treat the taxi driver yep. how do they mm -hmm. treat the waitress who's bringing yep. your food right like how do they treat the the woman who's begging for change on the sidewalk that's what i i want and i want to know how people talk to those kinds of people right like yeah. if you're someone who's only interested in talking to people who have status and have lots of money chances are i'm not really going to be that interested in yep. talking to you mm -hmm. not that you're not mm -hmm. a, a decent person yeah. or whatever but it's just it's very material you know, and and I'm I'm kind of done with materialism. I'm really not interested in that. I'm interested in the energy, the vibration, mm -hmm. like the much bigger picture that's going on here for all of us. That's why the work with Grant and our, our mutual interest and focus on uh, consciousness, which is how we originally bonded to begin with, it means so much to me, right? Because it's all about what is the next wave, you know, going beyond what we already know. It's so much past nuts and bolts. Like who cares really? I mean, it is I interesting, know. but ultimately- It is, but yeah. Yeah, like why does the shape of the UFO matter? You know, really? Like it's interesting, it's fascinating, but like <laughs> whether it's an oval or a square, it, it doesn't mean that much to me. I find it fascinating uh, collecting all the data and reading the articles and everything, but it's 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 still material like it's still mm -hmm. it's still physical and and we're just i feel like we're so far beyond that and we really have to push the conversation forward we well, you know speaking about this pushing this conversation forward the last question we want to ask you you know before we wrap up the episode is what advice do you have to people in the world? Like, what would you tell them going forward what to do? What, as a community, whether you're into this field or not into this field, what just general advice would you give everyone going forward in this whole consciousness realm? Get to know yourself. Get to know <laughs> yourself. I think it all comes from one of the downloads I got when I was a kid. I got a lot between age nine and 11. And one of them that really stayed with me was every one of us is a universe. That's one of the downloads that I got, mm -hmm. that every single person is a universe. And not only that, but that we are also the universe, the one that we all share, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that, that I remember the feeling, I'm actually getting goosebumps right now because I remember the feeling of getting yeah. that download. When I go back to that space, it's like I'm there again. You know, when you smell something and it takes you back to, I don't know, the barbecue you had for your eighth birthday. Yep, or yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, so, um, so that really, really, really did something to me. I've never forgotten uh, that download um, because that's when I realized that if I wanted to know more, I had to go inside. It was actually not outside, mm -hmm. it was inside. Mm -hmm. So I started journaling when I was 10 years old and I, you know, did whatever I could find to 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 try to do that, right? To try to really develop my self-knowledge. So the typical thing is put yourself in therapy, right? So I put myself in therapy when I was 15. Uh, I don't know, I've, I've been a lifelong journaler. I tried, I lived in a Buddhist temple. I was gonna be a Buddhist monastic for a while, you know, shaved off all my hair, gave away everything I owned and lived in this temple. Um, How cool. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, like I've done, I've done all kinds of different things. I majored in Judaism in university. I'm not Jewish, 
you know, I, I minored in African Canadian history and literature. Clearly, I'm not African. -Canadian. No, you you <laughs> have a path of knowledge, and that's very clear. That knowledge is your path. <laughs> No, because I'm the same way. I know I will be studying the weirdest things and like Bree's just like, what? And I'm like, I, it's just knowledge sometimes. It's just you you want to learn and sink your teeth in to as much as you can, because the more information you have, the better you are at grasping this whole consciousness alien world. The more I know about all these other things, the more yes. I'm able to understand and, and and comprehend what's really happening. Yes, yes. I mean, you're, you're saying this, um, you know, in so many different ways. And I love that, right? Diversity really is the spice of life. The more we know, I mean, the more we know, the more we know how much we don't know. But yep. at the same time, yeah. the more we know, the more we have the, to use to try to figure out what's going on. So I think in response to your question, get to know yourself, just seek 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 try things give yourself experiences travel you know and and try to really figure out what is at the core of you and how can you support that because it's different for mm -hmm. everyone right it could be yoga and meditation it could be something else so whatever works for you right contact modalities are very very varied very varied so um you know it would be it would be individual but i think it's all about just getting on the path and sticking to it and staying true to what feels right to you and what's going to take you because it just keeps unfolding, right? If you take the first mm -hmm. step, then it unfolds a little more and then you take another step and it unfolds a little more and mm -hmm. more and more, there are more doorways appearing in front of you and more options for where you can go. So it's all about just get, just starting, starting the journey. Yeah. Like endless dominoes. Exactly. <laughs> and there's no yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right, Sinead, we want to thank you so much for coming on. This was not enough time to talk to you. And you know, awesome. our time door flew is, by. Honestly, our door is always open. We really love chit chatting with you because we feel just like this very serious connection that we we think on the very same like wavelengths. And so honestly, you. anytime you want to come on, our door is 100% open to you. Thank you yes. so much. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah, it was great talking to you guys. And also how unusual, I said this to you in an email, but it's not common that three women you know, know. are all together. Like it's, there are not a lot of female leaders in this field. So it's just really nice to kind of have an all female conversation. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I've done this before since I've been in the field. So I more, really more of this, let's help facilitate more females having voices that are able to be heard inside this community right now because I think it's mm -hmm. really really what we need in order to to take that next step and go that next level Agreed. absolutely Agreed. yeah thank you so much Sinead I hope right, that uh, we can talk soon, soon yeah. and hope to see you soon too yes. <laughs> that would be amazing I, I know now that. once conferences start up again we the first ticket we can go to we're on our way I don't care where it's at let's just go Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I seriously cannot wait until the conferences open up again. And it's going to be such a blast reconnecting, right? We have a lot to look forward to. I know. Absolutely. I a know. lot to look forward to. All right, yes. guys. Have a wonderful evening. We love you all. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.